0: Hello, hello everyone. I hope you all are doing well. Um, I want to ask you a question as we start. Have you ever heard anyone uh, say when they did something wrong or they felt like they said something wrong, um, that they felt guilty and they said something like, uh, I rebuke you, Satan. I'm under grace. I should never feel this way. Guilt leave in Jesus' name. Well, they're probably talking about a guilty conscience conscience, and it can come across that our conscience is only good when it's telling us good things about ourselves, and it can come across that our conscience is, is from the pit of hell or from the devil if it troubles us or alerts us when we're doing wrong. Well, in the New Testament, the word conscience is used many, many, many times. So, it's always best to see what God has to say about something, what, what the New Testament has to say about something, what Jesus has to say about something, to base any, uh, any of our information, any of our thoughts, or any of our theology. So the New Testament talks about a good conscience, a weak conscience, a clear conscience, a guilty conscience, a defiled conscience. A conscience devoid of offense toward, uh, void of offense toward God, meaning that they don't realize, they have no uh, no recognition that they're offending God. Their conscience doesn't, consciences that are seared, that are corrupted. Um, the Bible, the New Testament talks about things that are plain to our conscience, questions of conscience, a matter of conscience. Uh, we we can wound other people's consciences. Did you know that? And we ha- are to have a pledge of a good conscience toward God and many, many more. So the New Testament talks about our conscience over and over and over again. So you might think, well, what does the conscience really mean? Well, we kind of know, uh, but let's look at it from the New Testament, and from the uh, definition of the word conscience in the New Testament taken from uh, Greek dictionaries because the word was originally written in the New Testament in Greek. So let's see what they have to say about it. It's an awareness that bears an inner witness to one's own conduct or in a moral sense. That uh, faculty of the soul which distinguishes between right and wrong and prompts, prompts one to choose right over wrong. It's conviction is that part of you which helps you conform to the will of God. It's understanding the difference between right and wrong, a moral and ethical insight, perception and understanding, a moral awareness that springs from and is conditioned by one's knowledge of God and his duties to him. And the conscience is the testimony of the spirit in man's heart concerning his obligation to God. So it's clear that God has given us a most precious and wonderful gift, the gift of our conscience. And and the Bible talks about that God has put his law in every person's heart. Do you ever notice when a, a child that's maybe, you know, five or six, when they're playing a, a game like sorry or shoots and ladders and, and they decide that they're going to cheat because they want to win? you can tell that they know it's wrong they sneak it they try to hide what they're doing they give you look at you kind of sideways like you know did you see that <laughs> so god's god's laws are written on our hearts but over time we can become more sensitive to god's laws or we can just kind of block them out and and uh, not nurture that good part of uh, the conscience that god has placed in us so um It's, it's so clear that God's given us this. It's, it's a wonderful, precious part of our being. It's a, it's a marvelous tool that God has given us to distinguish between right and wrong. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. And I thank God. I thank God that He's given me a conscience. Um, I thank God when my conscience tells me that I'm doing something right and good and according to God's word. And I also thank God when When my conscience is telling me, you know, you shouldn't say that, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't think that, or if I already did (laughs) do it or say it or think it, Lord, that, that, you know, that I feel guilty and I go before the Lord and I repent and I ask for forgiveness. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. Our conscience is a blessing. It's not a burden. And our conscience to work properly, Needs to be based on the Bible, the Word of God. If it isn't, we, we can't not, we can't, we might not recognize sin, or we might, um, on the other hand, instead of not recognizing sin, if our, if our conscience is not full, fo- uh, is not formed and molded by the Word of God, we might also on the opposite end, we might feel guilty all of the time. Um, and and feel like, you know, everything we do is wrong. And neither one of those, either not, not sensing guilt at all or feeling guilty all the time, neither one of those is a conscience that is healthy or based on the word of God. But our conscience, if we listen to it, it will keep us on the straight and narrow. And it will keep us as Christians walking always in love and forgiveness and so uh, that's, that's a really good thing to think. Is my, uh, Am I walking in love and forgiveness? Am I listening to my conscience? A con- uh, an example of a conscience that was not formed in a way that is pleasing to God is, um, would be that, an example would be that of the Pharisees in the New Testament. They were very religious people. And it seems as though, you know, from looking from the outside, it seems as though that their conscience was formed by peer pressure, by uh, conforming to a set of traditions, religious traditions, um, and it was also formed by spiritual pride instead of by the word of God. And they were always nitpicking uh, at other people instead of themselves, and they were always finding fault in other people instead of themselves, so their conscience wasn't really working anymore in their own lives. In their case, this quote from Billy Graham might apply, Most of us follow our conscience as we follow a wheelbarrow. We push it in front of us in the direction we want it to go. And I know that I have been guilty of that. I think we've all been guilty of that, especially when, you know, I'm tempted to eat, you know, a piece of chocolate cake, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, figure out, I kind of rationalize how maybe I can do that and it's all right when I, you know, don't. On a particular occasion, I don't, shouldn't be eating that or don't need to be eating that. I think you all can understand that. So, um, in light of that, let's read some scriptures, some things from the Bible that it says about our conscience. In Acts 23, 1, Acts 23, 3, 1, it says, Paul looks straight at the Sanhedrin. Now, this was a religious ruling class of people. Um, they, uh were prominent in the days that the New Testament was written. So Paul looked straight at them and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. So we can see that Paul was following his conscience. His conscience was formed by the word of God, and he followed it. He also said in Acts 24, 16, Acts 24, 16, says, So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God in man. So we can see in there that we have a choice to uh, keep our conscience clear, in other words, by doing right, by listening to, to our conscience and following it, or by not doing that. When we do sin, uh, oh, well our conscience, you know, can be a great comfort to us because we know that Jesus will be our judge, not, not you know, a bunch of rules and regulations that maybe we put in there, but Jesus Christ is our judge. And when we do sin, when we do sin, when we do miss it, when we do violate our conscience, um, it stains our conscience. And it requires our conscience to be purified. And God, in his great love and great compassion, has provided the perfect stain remover. So let's read in Hebrews 9, Hebrews 9, verse 14. It says, How much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Oh, isn't that wonderful that Jesus Christ, God provided Jesus Christ through his blood. He, he can cleanse our conscious conscience. He can cleanse our conscience so much that That it's just pure and clean. And, uh, in that light, we can serve God the way he wants us to. And that's something to be so thankful for. So I want you to, I want to encourage you to think of your conscience as a wonderful tool and a gift from God. And, uh, that God is giving you to decide between good and evil, between right and wrong and, and think about your conscience. Be aware of your conscience and listen to your conscience. And um, I want to emphasize to you that our conscience will not work well without the Word of God as its foundation. We can stray in our concept of right and wrong just because we tend toward things that make us happy and make us feel good. So it can alter the way we see things. It can alter our conscience. Um, We can also be listening to leaders who are not teaching the Word of God properly um, it's been attributed to Goebbels in, in World War II, but you know, some people say it's not actually him that said it, but something to the effect if you repeat a lie long enough, uh people will believe it. So if if the people that you listen to are maybe shading the truth or lying to you, and you really honestly, truthfully believe it, <clears throat> it can change your conscience. Uh we see that in things like uh people who belong to cults. They honestly, truly believe that in their conscience they're doing the right thing when actually they're doing uh, wrong things and horrendous things. We can our conscience can also be affected and swayed by our culture, instead of by the Word of God. Um, our culture where sin is celebrated, encouraged, and encouraged, where um, being hateful and mean and lying and demeaning people and being violent um and, you know, sexual things and drug abuse and everything. Alcoholism is just running rampant. We can be swayed by our culture and kind of desensitized to our conscience uh, because we're so surrounded by sin. So an example of that is like the slow decline, moral decline, the slow decline in what Christians will uh, look at as entertainment. I know, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, a Christian would normally never go see an R-rated movie or see a movie full of F words or, or sexual things, um, or taking the name of our precious Lord in vain, um, but now it's it's just commonplace. Um, because Christians of uh, their their uh moral compass, their conscience has changed, it's uh kind of gotten cloudy and, and uh just just kind of seared over the years because of the culture. Um, and there's also, there's also uh, Christian performers and, and Christian pastors and stuff that tout this stuff and think it's funny or think it's cool to, uh, to partake of stuff and, you know, say things like, OMG, you know, that's, oh my God. So you're talking about the Lord, our precious Lord and Savior You're taking his name in vain, and people, Christians now think, use that as a slang and think it's funny. So our conscience can be swayed by our culture, and cultures usually uh, go morally downhill instead of morally uphill. So we need to be trained and and, uh, have our consciences stayed on the Word of God. Another thing that can shape our conscience is when we pull things um, out of context from the Old Testament, or from religious tradition as our guide. We saw that with the Pharisees. Think of how many times Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard it said, or you have been taught, or it has been said. But now I say to you, and what he was talking about mostly was religious tradition that had kind of snowballed and accumulated over time and people thought was actually The, the inspired word of God, but it was rules and regulations and traditions and thoughts and ideas that, that had just evolved over time. And some of it, some of it was Old Testament, um, Old Testament, uh, doctrine that Jesus came to establish a new covenant in a new way. And a lot of times if our conscience is based on the Old Testament instead of the New Testament, our conscience can kind of be warped. An example of this was when James and John uh, were asking Jesus if they should call down fire on a Samaritan village because that is something that might have been done in the Old Testament and people that at that time were looking for a Messiah that was a political savior and deliverer and so and a military conqueror. So they just assumed that Jesus would want this, this village uh, destroyed And that they should, you know, work as Jesus's emissaries and call down fire on that village. And their conscience wasn't developed in the teachings of Jesus and the word of God and in love. But instead, their conscience was developed by by tradition and the culture of the day and through the Old Testament. So we need to make sure that uh, we know the words of Jesus. We know the heart of Jesus. We have our consciences working properly in line with the New Testament, with the Word of God. So we have confidence before God when we have a clear conscience, and I think that's so awesome. We have our part to play. We have to listen to our conscience. We have to form our conscience with the Word of God. We have to develop our conscience, and we have to obey our conscience. But ultimately, ultimately, we need the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. So if we have a guilty conscience, we just go before the Lord and we confess our sins and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, the Bible says. In Hebrews ten nineteen Hebrews 10, 19, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened us up, For us through the curtain that is his body, the body of Jesus Christ that was torn for us. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, which is Jesus Christ, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, can cleanse your conscience and uh, just wash it totally clean. And I just feel like you know some of you that are listening may have done things in their past. Maybe maybe it's been ten years ago or forty years ago or even longer than that. That it's just kind of nagging you or bothering you. Uh, it was something bad that you did that that just. You know just is kind of like a burden on you and and even though you're maybe a Christian, it still is something that bothers you. I just encourage you to go before the Lord and ask him to cleanse your conscience of that and um, stand in faith on on like this scripture that I just read, Hebrews 10 nineteen through twenty two that when we go before the Lord in his most holy place that we are we have confidence. That that sin was washed away through the blood of Jesus Christ. And just stand on that scripture that, that what you did in the past that you've repented of. That it is cleansed and you can have confidence now before the Lord that that sin no longer exists. It's been washed away. So I just encourage you if you have never uh, you know, put your faith in Jesus Christ and taken advantage of any of these things. I encourage you to do that today. Confess your sins to to uh, the Father, to the Heavenly Father, and um, put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And when you do that, he will give you a new life, and all your sins will be washed away, and that'll be awesome. Well, there's a, a French proverb that says, There is no pillow so soft as a clear conscience. conscience. And we want to have a clear conscience and uh, take advantage of the awesome and wonderful gift that God has given us in our conscience. Well, you all have a good week. Um, we'll see you back on Sunday and I hope you've enjoyed this message. And we just encourage you on Sundays and Wednesdays to help us out by liking, uh, the messages and sharing them and making comments on them. And that way a lot more people are able to take advantage of it. So, uh, we'll see you next time. We love you. Bye-bye.